get yourself a cup of coffee and pull up a chair. We're going to be talking to designers and developers about how they got started, what keeps them passionate, and what challenges them. It's the best remedy for imposter syndrome. This is Build Process. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Build Process uh, episode, I don't even know. <laughs> episode something i don't think we're numbering these uh this is your other other host aaron and i'm here today with uh ben reynolds who is not uh he's not michael Feenan, but not a host or another host or another <laughs> or other, other host, other host. Uh, but, <laughs> but i am a person with state. a microphone <laughs> <laughs> you're from the same state as michael i am actually that's it's weird so it's, actually, ironic, actually, it's weird when i listen to the show and i'm like he is in a he's he's in a very different uh world of Kansas than I am, I think. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the he's in the part of Kansas that has all the scotch, I guess. I um, guess so. I I <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah, so uh Ben Ben you and I have uh worked together on a couple of occasions both professionally and in some the nonprofit world. Um that's where we met each other initially. Uh, and I think you got a pretty neat story, and I was just wanting to chat with you on the show to talk about it. Uh, my story's neat, I guess. I think my my story is a story that is kind of best told in in two parts, as, mm-hmm. as far as my journey into tech goes. Um, yeah. Uh, like I think part one, which was kind of my interest in it, and where I, I think the like love of it sparked, was just like a kid that grew up in the like late nineties, early aughts when. Mm-hmm the internet was becoming a very large thing. Um, and uh, I, I think like my initial, specifically with programming, I think uh, my earliest memories of kind of like getting excited about it and if, like seeing why it was useful and how it can be fun and, and like just useful for my own purposes uh, mm-hmm. was kind of uh, high school math classes. Um, I was that kid okay. that like had the TI-83 calculator and taught himself how to like, write a program that would do my homework for me. And none of my <laughs> teachers were very happy about that. Um, <laughs> uh, as you can imagine. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of like the early part of my story, but at, when I got out of high school and I won't go too into a lot of details of, you know, life and personal and all that, but I, uh, I was a jazz studies major when I went into college uh, and I took mm-hmm. one statistics class that I failed and dropped. Um, so I think, I think the only classes that I had a passing grade in were music classes. Uh, I had just at a point in my, you know, I, I'd, I'd picked up like guitars and bass in particular and was just, this is now my life. Um, and yeah, I, I can see in the background there on your camera, you've got one, two, two basses that there, I can see. There's a, a guitar case? in that case over there too. Oh, guitar. Okay. Yeah. And I see, I think a keyboard of some kind in the back. Uh, there is. There's also one on my desk and yeah. a few didgeridoos in the corner, which is really funny because the company I currently work for is in Australia, and I think that the <laughs> between me and another member of uh, their U.S. employees have more didgeridoos than the entire Australian team. Amazing. <laughs> We're just weird didgeridoo. Of course, is collect a, a very instruments. Notable in the jazz scene. Yeah, yeah, very notable in the jazz scene. <laughs> uh yeah so and then and then my you know my i would say my i eventually dropped out of college because uh i just was not that it was not my thing um mm-hmm. and 
I think that my like kind of journey into tech as a career was um I was kind of first getting out of food service and um and retail jobs and I had gotten mm-hmm. a job at a call center doing collections and I I just hate saying this out loud but on defaulted student loans oh, um man so just <laughs> the, one of the best jobs you can imagine I'm sure just <laughs> just lovely what, what would be what's the worst what's the worst kind of collections to do above student loan collections? Would it be like medical debt? I think medical debt. I think medical debt. Yeah. I almost would rather do student loans to medical debt. Yeah. Yeah. I, medical debt is an awful one for me, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I was doing that and I was in like their management track program where they were training me into management or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just taught, uh, I, like I, got into their software they were using and found manuals for the software mm-hmm. and basically taught myself how to write programs that would automate the job that I was doing too. Oh, um, what, what language was it? Uh, Hummingbird basic, which is okay. It's a very, it's almost since it's syntactically almost identical to like visual basic for applications, VBA. Yeah. That you would okay. use in like Excel. And I actually ended up using that later and later using VB.net at that same job or that same company for uh, huh. just these front end GUI things that did weird stuff. Uh, I, I can get into that a little bit later too. But essentially, I had just, I was just working a job where I had access to a computer and I was like, I can make this easier. I think mm-hmm. there has to be an easier way than just sitting here and pressing these buttons over and over and typing the same thing over and over. Right. Um, <laughs> It was you know it was one of these like uh, terminal emulators that connected to an actual mainframe. Um, so okay. my interface into their systems was like you know just uh, a as you you know the the terminal of the eighties that you picture in your head of like just green text mm-hmm. on a black background. Um, you know a lot of a lot of the hospitality industry still uses that model. Uh, yeah, of like a, a terminal connecting to a mainframe somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, and then I got into that, and, and eventually uh, the uh, business intel, uh, the business analyst for the contract that I was on, kind of just caught on to the fact that I was doing less work than other people, and eventually was <laughs> like, "I'm putting up a job posting in a couple days that you're going to apply for because I want you to come do things for me." Um, I had started automating like my manager's jobs and other people's jobs before like they had taken notice and and were like <laughs> you you shouldn't be you shouldn't be out here on phones calling people. <laughs> um, so what was what was the job posting? It was clerk. I think it was technically a okay. clerk position that was like okay. twelve dollars an hour. Like it was not the uh what you know the stories that you hear about people coming out of boot camps and making tons and tons of money um mm-hmm. it was it was um like a very uh the t- official position title was clerk i ended up doing all sorts of software for the company because yeah. my boss knew what i was capable of um right. and and knew how to apply those skills directly um <laughs> the that organization itself uh, I, I later learned, and at the time knew to some extent, but uh, that a lot of what we were doing was under the radar for corporate um, because there's a lot of red tape to getting anything done. Um, right. And that's they kind of put me in a position of 
this person technically shuffles paperwork, but that was not at all what I was doing. (laughs) Right. So, um, not not black hat, but maybe like black mask. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my, my initial forays into tech. And that was all just kind of, like I said, automating stuff with VBA and, and different, Mm -hmm. uh, scripting languages like that. Um, while I was working that job, I still didn't have enough to do. Because uh, a lot yeah. of the time I would end up writing these automation scripts and running them on my, on my computer for work. And the machines that they gave us were not designed to do that at all. So it mm-hmm. would just run in the background and I would have nothing to do. So I taught myself Ruby on Rails at the time. Um, so what, what year was this? This was, was 2009, 10? Oh wow! So you're like Rails two, right? And no, it must have been. It was. It must have been when Rails four first came out. It was around oh, Rails that 4? time. When was when was Rails four released? Uh, Rails three came out. I I started at Rails two eight seven, and like three months after I started, Rails three came out. Two thousand. So that would have been. Two thousand thirteen sounds right. Two thousand thirteen yeah. sounds right. Yeah, two thousand thirteen yeah. sounds right. Um. Yeah. Cool. Well, what what were you doing? What was your first like first project that you worked on, whether like for personal use or whatever? So I th- I think I think what I how I taught myself was I bought a couple of courses on Udemy that were on sale. Um, okay. And it was like build a blog clone, build a photo sharing app, um, build a. I, you know, I think one of them was like for recipes. Uh, there okay. were a, a number of just these, you know. Just apps for random things. It ta- they would teach you how to like plug in device and do all the authentication nonsense that we have to deal with. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, and and that was kind of my kind of my first foray into Rails. From there, I um, I had been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the Five by Five Network. Um, right. If you're familiar with that show, I think it's still running. Actually, it, this was several hosts ago. Um, um, and, uh, ended up getting a job working with, uh, one of the hosts of that show, uh, back in 2014. So worked there. Like, like a year after you started doing rails, you started, you got a job working rails. Yeah. Yeah. Probably about that. Yeah. And it, and this was just complete to happenstance and chance. If I, if I must be honest, like I had been (laughs) teaching, I had the skills to like, write programs, I think. So, you know, I, yeah. I didn't know anything really looking back on myself. Now I'm that this, this version of me did not know much, but, um, mm. I, uh, I just kind of stuck my neck out there and was like, Hey, hire me. And I, I think originally <laughs> it was like a tweet. He had tweeted out, like, I'm looking for somebody who wants to do what essentially amounted to like an apprenticeship or a, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. a short term contract of like six months to a year, um, where like the focus was to get professional experience in rails. Um, cool. and that's a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was just honestly from getting on, uh, I think early in my career, I, somebody had, or early in getting into tech, I had read that Twitter is where people do things and hang out. And I made a Twitter account and followed a bunch of people. And that's just mm-hmm. how this tweet kind of randomly came across my perusal nice um how did you find um in the year that you spent learning rails uh through udemy and just like practicing 
Um, how long did it did it take before you felt like you understood it? Uh, d- this is assuming that I say I would understand it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Like when you're when you're learning Rails, there's like there's it's bewildering, and you feel like like oh, I have no idea like what this forest looks like. And then there's a point where you're like, okay, I don't know what everything that's in the forest, but I at least know the general shape of it. And I yeah, know that no, I can yeah. And, and I think yeah. and, and everyone early on has this point where like, oh, I get it now. And, and then you yeah. learn later that you actually don't get it. But uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I would yeah. say when you know, like a the mo- peak of the Dunning-Kruger curve. For <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd say a month or two, a couple months. I oh, started. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say a couple months. I was kind of, in all honesty, I was spending probably six-ish hours a day on it, just like okay. reading and learning and building things and stuff like that. I think the first moment that, you know, that it really kind of, I, I it clicked, so to speak, was the, I, you know, just like realizing, oh, once I made the connection that the things that people were putting, that one person could put on the internet could be mm-hmm. read by another person on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was like, oh, okay, so I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm creating this or, you know, I'm creating this interface for people to store data and then retrieve it later and, and things of that such nature. So, right. But a few right. months, I would say, yeah, I, you know, it was, um, I would also say, I, I think I had some experience to the early, or I would say like the early 2000s of like, I think I did some GeoCities things. I've, very mm-hmm. old memories of like the early web and like learning about HTML and things like that. I think that was a foundation that really helped me when I got into Rails because I think that's a uh-huh. pretty big hurdle that a lot of people have to jump is understanding like HTML and CSS and where does the boundary between all these things lie and and like <laughs> the things that a, a Ruby developer would be doing, right? Um, what um, did you ever? modify i guess did you have a myspace page and if yes you did did you yes. ever modify it with css <laughs> yeah yes and yes <laughs> was i, I, I alive so many people was, was so many i alive in the early did. 2000s is the, <laughs> 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 was i alive and did i have a computer with internet access in the early 2000s yes oh <laughs> uh, and i part of me misses like the myspace days me um, too. Me too. I, I think the early days of the the web there just felt so. It, it was there was there were none of the. I feel like there was a lot less gatekeeping kind of early on. To, at least mm-hmm. from my experience, in the early days of the web, it felt like there was a lot of just. If you can put HTML on the internet and someone will read it, you know it yeah, and. Yeah. Um, God, if you think it was like that in two thousand, you should have seen what it was like in the late nineties. <laughs> I was there for a little of that too. I was in my uh, around nine or ten years old, um, experiencing some of that. But uh, you know how like everyone writes SQL in all uppercase. Mm-hmm. There was a while uh, in the mid and late nineties when we did HTML that way because we thought we had to <laughs> because it was computer code. So we thought that you just had to. And like every once in a while, I would forget and I would like write it in lowercase and I'd be like, oh crap, no, I have to make. Like, I have to make this B tag an uppercase B. Um. <laughs> I don't know what I would do if I saw something like that now. <laughs> it looks old or it looks like it's computer generated. That's yeah. what I think now. I see it. Um, um, but yeah, you know, in those early days, it was more... It, I think, like, when I think of the early web, I think of, like, an art project. 
Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, the, you know, pe- businesses weren't concerned yet with like an online presence. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't this ubiquitous thing of like the the internet is a necessity to life, which it kind of very much is now. Like the internet, right. like you have to. I mean, quality of life and opportunity improves greatly with internet access and a, a computer. Um, mm-hmm. In those early days, it was just like think think pretty colors people would put on screens and share with each other. And a, a lot of times, I think back to those days and just think, did we screw it all up? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine it's it's like it's like what Minecraft is, right? Like Minecraft is a place you can choose to go to if you want. You can have some fun. You can build neat things. You can show them to your friends. But, like, you're never doing banking in Minecraft. Mm-hmm. But then, like, what if five years from now people literally did banking in Minecraft and that's where you had to go to go to school? And <laughs> like, if that was suddenly what, um, like, how Minecraft was getting used. That, that's kind of what it felt like with the shift in the Internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Very much. It's It's no longer fun. <laughs> right? yeah yeah I, I was talking with someone earlier today we were we were talking about like bandwidth and you know we have 5g is as fast as as wi-fi i guess and i was like well like what is the what's the upper limit at the point where we're like okay we don't really need bandwidth to go faster because it's fast enough and you know if you have 4k video and you can get 60 frames per second on online gaming i guess the next thing would be vr right mm-hmm. and and so I don't I think <laughs> I, I haven't looked into this, but I think VR is actually in some cases not as high a quality as needed as 4K 60 hmm. frames per second. I'm not sure about that. I guess, but... I guess so. I guess it depends on where the rendering is happening. If the rendering is mm-hmm. happening on your device or upstream. Uh, but I, I was saying that, like, man, if if it becomes where like it's like Ready Player One where everything is done through that, I'm just going to go live in the woods somewhere. I give up. <laughs> I, I have I have countless countless people in this industry that I know that are have woodworking hobbies or mm-hmm. art hobbies. Just it, I, I think it's um, it is burnout is a real thing. Uh, it's a thing that yeah. I've been experiencing a lot uh, lately too. So, so uh, going back to your, to your jazz studies background, like, do you ever find um, do you ever find that any of your like training or anything from that period in your life is like randomly coming up in your tech career? I would say, you know, I I think when I think when you first me asked me to come on the show and I knew this was going to come up, I thought I don't think so. I, I yeah. can't think of any way. But I was thinking about it, and I think honestly, it I learned a lot of just these interacting with people on a team skills. Uh, surprisingly oh, yeah. okay. from that, uh, doing like jazz small groups and playing in uh, in bands with people just, um, you know, small. I think I, I played in a small blues trio shortly after college. Um, and I think that just those like small, small group team skills, collaborating with other people in like a mm. creative way. Um, those skills actually did transfer, I think, quite a bit. Um, nice. because oftentimes when you think about like what we do as software people, people who make things on the web is it's very much like an art and a science. Like there are things right. to it that are very like, you know, rooted in, in science, but a lot of it is very artistic and specifically like, you know, 
the the name of this very show, like design and UX. Right. Those are, in a lot of cases, very subjective things. And um, oh, I never even considered it, the, the show as design and UX. <laughs> I didn't tell it to Michael. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's gonna be a great rebrand for us. <laughs> well, the topics you cover, I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do know the name of the show, Aaron, but um, <laughs> but yeah, the, these these kind of topics that we're you know that we use on a daily basis are you know a lot mm-hmm. of them are very rooted in creativity, and I think that there are certain skills of like working creatively and crea- collaboratively with peers uh, that certainly mm-hmm. did translate uh, for sure. Cool, I, I would agree with that, I, and that's actually a really good point too. That you know your background with playing in a group where you have to coordinate a lot. Um, I can definitely see how that would play out in like collaborating, especially as a remote employee. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, where are you working right now? Are you allowed to talk about that? Uh, yeah, I can, I can yeah. talk about that. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not working for the CIA. No, um, I am working <laughs> for uh, Airtasker. Uh, okay. They're a, they're actually an Australian startup. Um uh, I've been with them for just a little over a month, I guess. They're they're publicly oh. traded in Australia, so I won't say or talk too much um, <laughs> about them. I, I never know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not. So Right, um, right. Uh, can you speak about the kind of work you're doing? Maybe not the specifically stuff you're building, but like what your role is? Yeah, um, I'm back-end uh, Ruby and Rails mostly. Um, I think okay. that I, I, I feel comfortable saying that like a lot of their internal tools uh, is yeah. a lot of what I'm working on. Um, so just kind of these very um, uh, admin type tools, uh, just direct access okay. to data and things like that uh, for uh, and and think you know things things like that. <laughs> so like um, limited audience. Yeah, uh, limited narrow, audience. Narrow internal focus. users. My user right. group is not a uh, is not the wide internet. I've worked on right. stuff that. Uh, that does uh, target the internet at large as it's a as a user. Completely group. different beast. It is. Yeah. It is very very different. Um, huh. Yeah. Nice. What is what's something? I'm not going to say your favorite because I hate superlatives. But what is your what is something that you do enjoy about working in tech? I would say just the people that I meet in tech are mm-hmm. some really I, this this and this experience has been varied. Um, I've had uh, I've met. A lot of, um, I've met a lot of people that I've got along with, and a lot of people that uh, I, I feel comfortable saying I don't get along with. Um, but <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, I've met some really great people out there in the tech industry, and yeah. I think that a lot of times that's what still gives me motivation and vigor to get up and do it every day. Is some of the people mm-hmm. is the people that I work with are just great people, and um, I think that. Um, that yeah, that it it's just the connections that you make. I, I I know that this show is and a lot of the focus around this is kind of like the journey into tech. And I'll say that I will say that a lot of my journey into tech has been about the connections and the relationships that I've built uh, yeah. along the way, both through you know Ruby for Good and through uh, the number of companies that I've worked for over the years. Uh, I right. would say that the connections are kind of the most important thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's been my experience too, for sure. That's that we we met. How many years ago was it? Uh, I think it, it was, was when, it was shortly after I moved to Kansas City, so it must have been two thousand sixteen, maybe. 
sounds about right. Yeah. Is that right? 20, 2016, uh, 2016 or 2017 sounds right. Um, I was still at Cornell um, and we met at the conference. Um, wow. May have been 2018. May have been 2018. Okay. It's whatever the first Ruby for Good I attended was, which I think was 2018, because I remember going to two, and then 2020 was the plague. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) What advice do you have in your, now that you are a tech elder? (laughs) Can I take umbrage with you calling me a tech elder? I'll just call you <laughs> Am I allowed to take? I'm allowed to have on on the record taking umbrage. <laughs> um, what what advice do you have to someone who is who interested or finds tech interesting and maybe isn't sure about making a career out of it? Like, how would how do you get started? How do you get into this? Um, I would say. I think my advice might not be the same advice that a lot of people would give. And I don't know that my advice is maybe advice that you should weigh more than the advice of another, just because I did manage to get into tech this way. But Mm -hmm. I think it's important to look at what you're already doing and ways that tech and that technology specifically improves or makes the things that you do on a day-to-day basis easier. That's I, I had a similar, similar origin, I think. Um, that with that, like, just seeing, like, oh, this needs to be done. I think I can do this, and then kind of just yeeting myself at it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, a, honestly, in a lot of cases, that's what it takes. And and I, I think that yeah. there was a lot of that in my first job was like not knowing what to do or how to do it, but just mm-hmm. throwing brute force at it. And uh, I don't recommend it, honestly, in the long term, <laughs> to just throw brute force at things. Um. I was working right. a lot of hours that I probably didn't need to um, if I had taken maybe a little bit more measured approach. But it, you can just figure things out. Um, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of what, I, honestly, it's a lot of what I still do day to day in my job is just yeah. figure things that's out right. as we go. Um, I think there's a lot I, of, uh, I think that in, in, in tech in particular, there's a lot of uh, gatekeeping around all this knowledge that a person is supposed to have and all these things that a person is supposed to know how to do. Uh, And I just don't find any of that to be true in practice. Um, I, I find the title full stack engineer to be annoying at this point because (laughs) I, I know that it's technically possible for someone to be very fluent on front end and back end and DevOps and security and everything else. If that's literally the only thing that they do and they just are particularly gifted at it. But I mean, ugh. <laughs> it's just there's so much to know, so much to know now. And and we we engineers are intent on making sure that there's more to know for the generation that follows us. <laughs> right. We just yeah, insist I feel bad on for complicating whoever's... things <laughs> every generation. All the, all the youths coming in. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh? What's your favorite language to program in right now? My favorite language to program in right now, I think still Ruby. Right. I think it's still Ruby. Yeah. Um, yeah, same. I, I think it's just so... Uh, Ruby, to me, is just one of those languages that just... It, it reads so much, and so much just like English and like my own thoughts, that it's very mm-hmm. easy to just go from an, an idea of something that needs to be done to 
the code that does it um, in yeah. Ruby more than anything. Um, right. I would say I would say Ruby is still probably my favorite to to use. Cool. At what point in your career did you feel comfortable admitting you didn't know something? Mm. Um, for me, and I think that I was lucky in this case, but for me, it was very early. Um, my first gig was very much framed as an apprenticeship, as a learning opportunity, and less as a okay. full-time job. So it was very, I felt very comfortable very early on saying, I don't know, and help me learn. Um, and I yeah. think that that kind it's, of attitude is really important early on in your career. Um, but I think so liberating, that, isn't it? It is. But I think that it's undervalued for people later in their career. I think that mm-hmm. uh, in our industry, oftentimes uh, people later in their career are that kind of a skill is not as highly valued. The mm-hmm. the industry and that business folks tend to want to have someone that just knows answers. Um, right. and, and has <laughs> confidence in saying that they know an answer that they don't <laughs> over someone who, which is funny because like, it's a moving target, right? Like the, <laughs> the, the knowledge of anything in this industry is, is constantly in on the move. And every single day there's new stuff that you don't know. And it, trying to know everything, even in a narrow slice of tech is like trying to watch every video on YouTube. It's just, there's just too much. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think it's, it's so, I, for me, it was like a few years, like maybe even several years into my career where I, I felt comfortable admitting I didn't know something because I was so worried about being found out, you know, it was like, Oh, like, ha, gotcha. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think maybe I was like punching above my weight a little bit, at like one of my early jobs, <laughs> <laughs> a little extra pressure there, but, um, yeah, it's uh, I I it just did you see the article by uh, DHH a while back about the I don't know what I'm doing dog, no, and how like we're not supposed to like uh like it, you like we should be asking questions but not being I'm like I don't know what I'm doing I I get the point he was going for but I think in uh, typical DHH style he was being an ass about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with you that like, especially as seniors, like it's, it, it takes the right kind of environment to be able to admit like that, like, I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it, I think it's, I think it's important to, I think it's really important to, for people coming into the industry to know that you're never going to know any everything there is to know. Mm-hmm. You're never going to have all right. the answers. Um, right. And a lot of times the skills that are the most important are the skills of finding the person who has the answers and finding the person yes. who does know the answer to the question that you're looking for. Um, yeah. Agreed. Especially as, as these, as companies get larger and they're more, more of these lines of communication, more technology that's being maintained. Um, the yeah. more technology that an organization has, the more code that they have. And I, I think this is often undervalued as well as an idea is the, is the idea of code as a liability of, right. Uh, it, it is an asset, but it's also a liability. It's also something that has to be maintained and understood by someone in your organization. 
Um, yes. And oftentimes just knowing that person for an individual piece of code is all that it takes. We we joke a lot. Uh, we, not you and me only, but just people who work in tech in general, we joke a lot about how like 80% of our job is Googling things and looking at Stack Overflow or other places. Uh, but I, even with that, and I don't think it's quite 80%, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, even, even with that, you still have to know what to look for and you still have to know like when you found the answer and there's still a lot of nuance. Knowing the right questions to ask is a very important skill, I would say in, in the industry. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> in your ex- extended uh, moment on the, the platform here, do you have anything else you want to like discuss or? I would say my biggest piece of advice that I could say to people coming into the industry and it is to not get too caught up on the things that you have to learn, but uh, to just to emphasize that point of just knowing the right questions to ask a lot of the time is all mm-hmm. that it takes. Um, you don't need uh, 10 years experience in a technology that was invented five years ago uh, to, uh, <laughs> to make it in this industry. So, Oh yeah. Okay. Wait. So that, that's a one, one last question for you. Um, when you look at a job listing, do you ever like, what's the, what, what do you read between the lines in a job listing when you're looking at one, you know, like, cause they'll ask for 10 years of experience in a job in a program language that's been around for five. Um, so how do you know how to decode the job listing? Do you have any advice for that? I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't really, um, I would say that I would say that once you've been, I, this is not the best answer to that. I think to this question, but I'd say that once you've been in the industry for about a year, you can start to tell mm. when you see job listings that were written by written by people who do what we do every day for a living, and you can tell the ones right. that weren't. And I think it's pretty easy to tell sometimes. <laughs> it's it's hard to put my finger on exactly what it is. Um, yeah. That, uh, but you can tell. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I uh yeah what what would it be I I think maybe when it's written by someone in HR it tends to be very scattershot and cover everything and when it's written by someone on the tech team it's more specific mm-hmm. or like more focused maybe yeah yeah hmm. I think the skill that's even more important it's become more important for me is reading between the lines on what is this job going to be like I think uh-huh um yeah what are some of the things That's that they're tough. saying in the job posting that would lead me to believe that would not be a, a enjoyable or healthy place to work? Um, right, right. And it's, it's tough. It's very tough. Um, but there are some, uh, I think the term is red flags that are pretty common <laughs> that I see out there. Anytime. I, I think that anytime that I see a job posting asking for either a ninja, a pirate, uh, or <laughs> any other kind, rock star wizard, um, right. those are immediate. I don't know that I would want to work in this environment. <laughs> that just like reeks of like management wrote this mm-hmm. <laughs> job listing. <laughs> yeah. I even, even with the interview process, it's tough to know it. it it's not always apparent at, at the beginning, like if, if a, it's going to be a good fit or not. Um, and that's, that's a, that's a tough part. Of, yeah, yeah. Of being in this industry, and often that experience can be very work, individualized too. What can be a good fit mm-hmm. for one person may or may not be a, a good fit for another. Um, and weeding through yeah. that is is often very difficult. Um, yeah, agreed. Thank you for 
for doing yeah, this. Yeah, thank you for having me here. on. Uh, it's good. Good. Yeah, thank thank you. you for being a Patreon supporter, by the way. <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, go support uh, Drunken UX on Patreon. Go to <laughs> patreon.com slash Drunken UX. <laughs> Did I get that right? I'm put I, you to push Did forward. I get that right? Yeah, you do, you want me, do you want me to record a bumper for you? Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I won't say no, man. I'll always say yes to free content. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I would say no if you if you want to follow me on Twitter. Um, I don't even remember what my Twitter is. My Twitter handle is, um, and I don't tweet, uh, but I do retweet other people. Uh, let's see, my Twitter handle is at BenRenJams, B E N R E N J A M S. I'll probably change it in a week. So. <laughs> <laughs> We can leave that out if you want. <laughs> um, um, well, yeah. So thank you again. Uh, and uh, thank you all for listening. Yeah. To another build process. Um, Michael and I are trying to do more of these. Uh, if you have a good story that you want to talk about, just like Mr. Ben here, reach out to us at uh, Facebook or Twitter.com slash UX. Or I guess you can message us on Instagram.com slash UX podcast. But really, that's just where we put our dank memes dash. And uh, better yet, come and chat with us at drunkenux.com slash discord. And you can talk with Ben, too, who is also on there as a Patreon supporter. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, oh, and go support Drunken UX at patreon.com slash drunkenux. <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs>